I'm Simon Lee, ESEC Lending, uh, based in London, and I'm responsible for our business development initiatives throughout Europe and the Asia-Pacific region. And I'm here today with Ed Oliver. Um, and Ed, for, for those of you that don't know, is responsible for all of our product development initiatives at ESEC Lending uh, globally. Um, and included in that um, is the approval of our new lending market initiatives. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Um, there are a number of lending markets which we are optimistic will open up over the coming months and into, into next year. Um, and we want to focus on three of those markets today. Uh, Saudi Arabia, the Philippines and China. So Ed, um, I thought we'd kick off in that order, talk about Saudi Arabia first. Um, and Saudi Arabia, I think, is an interesting market for a number of reasons. It's likely to be the first lending market in the Middle East region, um, which in itself uh, is kind of interesting when we think about some of the other markets that might come online uh, going into next year. Um, obviously, with the, the opening up of the Saudi market, it becomes an interesting uh, opportunity as well. If you look at the IPO of Saudi Aramco um, quite recently, and then think about some of the growth initiatives through the Vision 2030 um, project that the Saudi government have initiated. Um, it does, uh, does bode quite well for the future. So maybe kick off a little bit about what we're up to in Saudi. Sure, yeah. And no, I think um, Saudi's a good one to start with because uh, there's a very active dialogue uh, going on between the industry and the regulators and the exchange in Saudi. So if I backtrack a little bit and we go back to Q2 last year in 2019, the, uh, the, the Tadawal, the, uh, the Saudi exchange, uh, came out with some proposed regulation around securities lending and short selling. Um, and generally it sort of looked like a, uh, a reasonable set of rules uh, and regulations that uh, probably needed a little bit of tweaking for offshore investors. So, uh, Certainly, there was a bit of feedback that was provided um, in the middle of last year. And things kind of went on hold, understandably, when Saudi moved through the, uh, the Aramco IPO. That uh, slowed things down um, for a while, which, uh, which made sense. And then more recently, um, in the last sort of six weeks or so, um, the regulator in Saudi published those rules um, for, um, for consultation. Uh, they've actually updated the rules to include the ability for retail investors in Saudi to to also potentially participate in securities lending and short selling. That's why it went out to a, a further consultation. So through the the Isla Middle East Working Group, um, we provided a uh, a fairly sort of significant response to that consultation, uh, focusing really on primarily um, looking to be more um, obvious in the the fact that offshore investors can participate. Um, so that consultation response went in um, towards the end of February and then in the last few days we've actually had conversations with both the regulator and the exchange um, to talk a little bit more about questions that came out um, from the ISLA response. But generally what I'd say to you Simon is it's looking positive in terms of the level of engagement, the, um, the sort of the questions that are coming back, it's, um, it's certainly looking positive that these rules will be adapted and uh, and hopefully uh, initiated and published in the coming months. So I think Saudi 
um, is probably going to be the, uh, the next market um, that we're all going to be sort of looking to operate in. When you talk about offshore investors, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at it from a lender's standpoint, from a beneficial owner's standpoint. Um, but does that include, when you say offshore investors, does that include the borrower community as well? And that it's a true offshore? It does. Right. Yeah. So clearly, you know, the expectation is that we'll be onshore investors that will want to participate too. So there's no, no denying that. But I think if you look at the, the growth in activity in, in new markets, it tends to come from the offshore investors. And, and you're right, that's the, the likes of our client base, um, institutional investors in the US, Europe and Asia, um, lending to those big, um, big banks um, that we're all familiar with, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, etc. Um, and they're all based offshore. So there's offshore activity. But I think the big thing with Saudi is there will still be the need to go through an onshore custody member. So that will be a, a, a sort of nuance to Saudi that will be a bit different to some of the other markets, maybe a little bit closer to Malaysia in setup, but, uh, but that's something we've seen before. And um, you know, I think that's going to be one element that uh, each of us will explore a little bit more closely as the, uh, the rules become a bit clearer. So that's an interesting point. So some of the markets that we've looked at in more recent times, Malaysia being one, um, some of the markets we're about to talk about, um, and also some of the other um, markets we, we're active in Asia have a more centrally cleared type model. Um, and I guess the question was that I had there when you, when you mentioned the, the local custody banks, is there any hints that Saudi will look like, look more like that model, a central, centrally cleared um, lending market, or would it look more like a traditional, uh, traditional developed markets we're active in today? Yeah, I don't think I don't think we're going to end up with a CCP model um, that might come down the road. Um, but I think for for the initial model, it will be um, hopefully anyway, providing the rules go this way, it'll be a bilateral negotiation offshore. Um, but actually having it processed through an onshore member, both on the lending agent side and on the borrower side. Um, and that will give transparency to the exchange and the regulator about the uh, the actual underlying activities, which is another key point that they're looking for. Okay, so that that's, that transparency gets addressed through that local local custodian. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot on this one and, and ask any uh, any indication of timing if you were to uh, to be a betting man. Given given where we are with with Ramadan approaching, um, going into the summer months. Yeah, no, I think it's a fair question. Um, I, I think I'd like to think it will happen this year. Um, and I think it's now just comes down to, you know, how much further clarification they're going to need in terms of developing the rules. And, uh, yeah, there might be a bit more backwards and forwards on that. But, uh, but they're, they're very, as I said at the start, they're very engaged. And, um, you know, I've enjoyed working with them um, through these discussions. And I think, uh, you know, with any luck, we'll, uh, we'll see that happen sooner rather than later. But um, I would, if, you, if I was a betting man, and that was your question, I'd say this year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So should we move on to the next markets that we were going to discuss being the Philippines? Um, obviously yeah. In, into Asia. Um, Philippines, one of the few markets now where we don't lend in the Asia Pacific region. Um, so interesting from that perspective. And if you look across the region and the, and the, the key markets there, 
they do tend to be at the more lucrative end of the spectrum. Think of Taiwan, South Korea, Hong Kong. So Philippines being another market in, uh, in Asia, obviously is interesting from that standpoint. And it's been a market, and I know we've, <coughs> excuse me, we've been discussing this for some time. So I guess over to you again, Ed, current status on the Philippine market. Yeah, and, and you're right, we have been discussing it for some time. I mean, the Philippines is a market that's had securities lending rules in place for many, many years, um, but they just don't work for offshore investors. And again, um, as you, you know, that is our focus. Um, we're looking at uh, solutions for our offshore client base. Um, so, you know, those, those rules have been in place for many years. And then around, I'd say, two and a half years ago, um, the exchange... Uh, really sort of approached Pazla at that time um, to think about how can they develop those rules and also introduce short selling. Um, so we, uh, we had a couple of workshops with the exchange and with some of the other stakeholders in the Philippines. There's quite a few actually, the securities lending rules produced by the, you know, the tax authorities, the exchange, the regulator. Um, there's, there's quite a significant amount of different rules that you have to blend together to get your, uh, your position. But we had workshops which featured them all, as well as some of the local buy-side uh, investors as well, which was good. And, um, and we made some good progress. And I think the, the key point that we're um, you know, focused on is enhancing the existing rules so that it's obvious you can use an internationally recognised GMSLA, for example, that you can take collateral offshore, um, some some key points there that uh, don't exist in the existing set of rules that, that, that they have in the Philippines. So we're, we're making progress on that. It's been fairly slow, but they've had other projects that they've been working on. And um, I think, you know, we uh, continue to be engaged with them. Um, and I suspect, you know, there'll be developments in the Philippines either through this year or the early part of 2021, uh, as you say, depending on... Uh, any halt or uh, pause that might be uh, surrounding the current situation. So, um, so yeah, it's a good one. I'm feeling very confident about an end result there. I think the timing is just the question. So that's, that's a good point actually you made about the number of interested parties there are locally and, and consequently the number of, of moving parts and, and the fact that because the, the headline suggested securities lending is permitted, that in itself is, as we know from experience, very rarely sufficient um, for offshore participants, be they lenders, borrowers or agents. And I guess that's a lot of your role there is, is to address all of those interested parties from exchanges to regulators to tax authorities and to connect all those dots, which takes time it is. in some cases. It is. Right? It does, it yeah, it does take time. And, um, you yeah, that is a, a slightly more convoluted um, regulatory environment than some of the others we operate in. Um, but that's fine. You know, and as you say, you can you can work through the nuances. So uh, I think we've made some good progress on that. Um, and now it's just a question of the final rubber stamps of some of the changes being made by the regulator, which you know, we know is with the regulator. We're just waiting for that output. And and at that point, then hopefully it's let's all, let's all move forward. So, um, so it's an interesting state of affairs. But um, I, I'm again, I'm I'm confident on that one. Okay, so I guess that moves on nicely when we talk about the number of interested parties and the number of moving parts to talk about China. Um, fair to say, at a different stage in the process when you compare it to 
Saudi when you compare it to the Philippines. Um, but obviously with the size of the market, too big to ignore, <laughs> even at these early, this early stage. Um, and I guess proves the point we just made that whilst securities lending may be permitted um, in some shape or form, it's somewhere away from enabling overseas investors to lend or to borrow and for, and for agents such as ourselves to actually participate. Yeah, no, I th and that's true. And I mean, I think we were all very excited about five years ago when um, when the Chinese authorities and the Hong Kong Exchange introduced Stock Connect and allowed SBL to participate and, and happen in, in Stock Connect. Um, so, you know, there's certainly uh, a time when we were in Shanghai um, doing the Pazla conference where, yeah, that was the, the main topic of conversation. But unfortunately, um, it was only for eligible uh, exchange participants. Um, which are which are onshore brokers effectively so it didn't allow offshore institutions to participate um, didn't allow the likes of us or or other sort of custodian banks who are internationally focused so you know i think it was a bit of a ah okay so now we need to do a little bit more advocacy um talk about the people's you know everyone's different roles um with a view to how do we adapt and uh you know bring on the rules as they're currently written to to expand and include others so um, so that's, that's not an unusual situation to be in where, you know, the market introduces rules initially and then they develop over time. Uh, and that's really what, again, that's where Pazla have been doing an awful lot of work, um, working with a SIFMA um, and really talking to all the different parties in China. And again, there's lots of different exchanges, different regulators, different central counterparties. So um, different groups and stakeholders that you need to be involved in the discussion with. Um, and that has moved on well. And Pazla has helped with providing a sort of model for, for how the, both the onshore and the Stock Connect model could move forward to uh, uh, incorporate um, lending on behalf of other um, people uh, and agents like ourselves. So I think that discussion, again, is a good one. I don't think that's a this year topic to, to come forward. I think yeah, there's a chance it will happen in 2021, perhaps with the onshore solution first, which is likely to be a CCP solution. Um, and then perhaps following down the road with a Stock Connect solution. So, you know, I feel there's a little bit more to do um, with China. Um, again, I think the, the, the current market circumstances will impact the timing around it. Um, but as with the other two markets, engagement level is good and positive. Um, it's now just a question of how do you work through that? How do the rules get developed? And then ultimately, what will the model be at the end of this? Will it be... Uh, you know, something that we can all work with and which, which you know, obviously we hope, whether it be a, you know, from a securities lending perspective or from a short selling perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And uh, yeah, when, when you mentioned there that uh, you've even got multiple exchanges in China to take into consideration, it's, uh, it's unlikely to be a straightforward, lineal process. Um, but I guess it's one that's going to keep you busy for, for months and months ahead. Yeah, but it's worth worth keeping busy on. As you said right yeah. at the beginning, it's such a huge market. Um, you know, there's a lot of people invested in China. And uh, so we, and you know this, we're getting a lot of interest in uh, the possibilities of lending in China. So, you know, I think it's one that uh, is very much worth the effort we're all putting in. Um, and uh, as I say, I hope that we see some positive outputs from that um, coming next year. Yeah, okay. Well, Thanks very much. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up now. Um, 
I also think we should revisit this this topic in uh, in a few months' time, particularly in light of comments around Saudi Arabia and the progress we should be making there um, over those uh, over the short term. Um, also interesting to look back and see where we are with China um, later this year, and then maybe some of the other markets that we're working on um, that may also show a little bit of uh, progress for next year. Yeah, no, so that's, that, that's a good idea. So let's let's catch up later in the year. Yeah, will do. Thank you.